Grab your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. We are in our second week of Advent, and if you're not familiar with Advent, it's a season where we look backwards at the first Christmas when Jesus came to be with us. Jesus entered this world as a, as a newborn baby. And so we look backward, but we also, at the same time, we are sitting in 2018 and looking forward with hope and, and with assurance, saying that, yes, he's going to come back, and that will be his second return, where he'll, he will usher us into his presence, and there will be new heavens and the new earth. If you have put your faith in this promised one, if you have put your faith in this promised Messiah. But if you're on a journey with him and you're trying to figure out who this Jesus is and what, what has he done for you, I pray that today would be your last day of exploring. Yeah. <laughs> that today, by the end of today, you would have met with him. You would believe in him and you would have known that, yes, he is the fulfillment of God's promises over our lives as well. Amen? Amen. Okay, last Sunday, Daniel beautifully took us through the genealogy of Jesus. And, from, and today, I would like to continue from verse 18. So Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 onwards. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, I wish my voice could go echoey here. Joseph, son of David, <laughs> do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, Isaiah in chapter 7, verse 14, where he says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did exactly what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she had given birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for the season of celebration that we are in. It is all because of you, Lord. It is all because you gave your son, Jesus, to us. Yeah. So, Father, as we look at, at your word this morning, help us to grow in the knowledge of you, Lord. As we look at the birth account of Jesus, help us to grow in the knowledge of him as a savior for us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, wherever we are in our journey of, of faith, I pray, Lord God, that you would get hold of our hearts, catch our hearts, Lord Jesus, and affirm this once again to us that we stand on solid foundation of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
Okay, there are some specific things that I want to mention before we actually dive into the heart of the passage. Because there are, there are some things that are very different to our culture today. And let's just quickly unpack a few things here. So right from the start of his account, Matthew wants us to know this very clearly, who this Jesus is. He calls him Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus Christ. So just for clarity, Christ is not his last name. It's a title that has been given to him on the basis of what he is going to accomplish, what he is going to do in the midst of us. He would come and he would take away the sins of the people, those who would believe in him. So that's why Jesus, the Christ, Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the anointed one. And so there is some language which may sound confusing to our modern world. Verse 18 says, his mother was pledged to, pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And also Joseph is being called her husband. So Mary is being called her, his wife and Joseph is being called her husband, even though the Bible says they were only pledged to be married. They were only pledged to be married. There are some translations which use the word betrothed. And betrothal, if you know, is, is very different to our modern idea of engagement. It was a legally binding time where, where the family of a young man would look for a, for a young woman, for their, for their son, and they would say, okay, let's get both of you betrothed. So they would stay like that. They would be in a legally binding contract for, a few, for, for probably a year or sometimes two years. And they, they would be in that contract. And in order to terminate that contract, they will have to be officially divorced. Towards the end of this contract, what will happen is they would, there would be a marriage ceremony where they would be officially wed. And that's why the Bible says there had to be a divorce. That's why Joseph was thinking that I'll have to divorce her because of something that has happened. What has happened? Let's look at this. So the, enter into their shoes for a moment, actually, and imagine what sorts of conversations they would be having at this point of time. Because Mary is thinking, I'm, I'm a virgin. No man has touched me. And one day she figures out, she finds out, I'm pregnant. I'm going to be pregnant. An angel of the Lord, Luke 2 says, Luke 1 says, an angel of the Lord comes and speaks to him and says that you are the blessed one and you are going to be carrying one who is the son of the most high. And obviously the, the amount of confusion, the amount of fear that would be going through her mind at this point of time would be, would be crazy. I mean, imagine what she would try and explain to Joseph. Forget about Joseph at this point of time. There would be people around her would be telling her, what have you guys done? Couldn't you wait for a little longer? Couldn't you both wait for a little longer? And Mary in her innocence would come and explain, no, 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 this is not Joseph's. This is from the Holy Spirit. An angel came and he spoke to me. And then the people would go, yeah, nice try. Nice try. So no, this is not even Joseph's now. Is that the case? So this is not even Joseph's. Why did you bring such disgrace over your family? And people would go to Joseph and ask him, hey, come on. You could have waited for a little longer. Come on. And he says, he, he doesn't go and say anything. Because the Bible says he wanted to not disgrace her wife, but keep her honor. And he doesn't say anything at that point of time. But he's probably quiet. 
But men, let's not miss this bit for, of Joseph's character. This is probably a message for a later, a later morning or a different morning altogether. But let's just quickly touch, the, touch upon this and go. Men, let's not miss this, Joseph, this bit of the Joseph's character that he honors his wife. He honors his wife. He, he doesn't want to, he seeks to build her up and not tear her down. Even though they are not married, they ha he had the other options or as per the law, he looks at divorcing her quietly, which probably means in the presence of minimum witnesses, probably just two. So he does it very quietly. He thinks of doing it very quietly. He must be feeling betrayed because of, but out of compassion and love to her, he's not wanting to expose her and disgrace her publicly. And that brings us to the very heart of our passage this morning. Verse 20 to 23. Let's read it once again. Verse 20, and tw uh, 20 to 23. But after he had considered this, doing this very quietly, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet Isaiah. The, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So friends, there are three things this morning I want us to look at about our great, great Savior. The first one is the promise of our great Savior. The promise of our great Savior. Verse 22 that we just read tells us that all that took place was to fulfill that promise. All that was taking place was to fulfill that prophecy, that word that God had given a long time ago. Thousands and thousands of years ago. So in Genesis 1, we read, God created the heavens and the earth, and he made that out of nothing. He made the stars in the skies. He, made, he, he gathered the water in one place and the land in the other. He made the sun and the moon. He, made, he created vegetation. He created creatures around. And then he said, let's make man in our image. And then he created man and he created woman and gave them dominion over the whole earth. Go and be fruitful. Go and be fruitful. Go and multiply. And so, in their, in their desire to become more like God, they fell. In their desire to become more like God, they fell. And God did not make, him, make them as alarm clocks or machines. He had given him a perfect will, a, 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 a human will, saying that, okay, I want you to worship me with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And that's why they did not, he did not make him as machines. And that is why God forbade them to eat from this particular tree. And when they went there and they ate from that tree, they fell and the evil came into, into being. And believe it or not, every human that is born on the face of the earth is born with the consequences of this sin. Every human, bo human born on the face of the earth lives in the consequences of the sin. So, so when we look at the darkness around us, when we look at the enemies around us, when we look at the brokenness around us, when we look at broken relationships around us, what, what are these? These are the consequences of the sin that was introduced at that point of time. But people who put their faith in this promised one, 
But people who put their faith in this promised one are called to be set free from every bondage of the sin. Amen. That's the promise that we hold on to. That's the promise that, that Matthew is talking about. That's the promise he's saying that this is what is fulfilled. This is what is fulfilled by Jesus coming in his human flesh. This is what is being fulfilled today. When the angel appears to Joseph in the dream, Matthew says in verse 20, he addresses Joseph as Joseph, son of David. Joseph, son of David. That's, that's not irrelevant there. That's, that has a huge significance. So what, what is the angel doing? The angel is reminding Joseph, Joseph, you fall in the lineage of David. You are the son of David, the same David and the whole of Israel whom God promised that out of the future offspring, there will come one whose kingdom and rule will never end. And by calling Joseph the son of David, he's actually saying this is the fulfillment of God's promise. That's what, that's what the angel is doing. Matthew quotes the prophecy from Isaiah 7.14 and declares that this child is the, is the fulfillment of the prophecy that was, that was made 700 or, or more years before, before uh, Matthew was writing this. So friends, the first big point that the text is making very clear is God is a God who keeps his promises. Uh, God is a God who keeps his promises. He is a faithful, faithful father. And I have believed in this promise. And the big question is, have you believed? Have you put your faith in this promise? There was a time, today, today I say this very clearly and with a resounding, yes, I have put my faith in this promise. But there was a time when, when I did not believe. There was a time when, when I did not believe in this promise. My name is AJ and, and it stands for Abdullah Jamal. So I come from a background from a very young age, I was, told, uh, I, I, was, I was told and taught that Allah is the only true God and Muhammad is his prophet. And just like Muhammad, Jesus also is just a prophet and he's not the son of God and he did not die on the cross for our sins. I was very happy with my belief because it was all about me and my good works. So it was all about my namazes, my prayers, it was all about my fasting, it was all about my giving to the poor, it was all about I'm doing this good, I'm doing that good. Because I, because I, I believed that by doing those good, what I was doing is I was, I was making a place in heaven for myself. I was making a place in heaven for myself. I'm doing good so that Allah will accept me and, 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 and get me in. That's what I was believing in. That's what I was believing in. I, I remember uh, speaking to my Arabic teacher when I was uh, of a conscious age. I remember asking him, teacher, what about my wrongs, the wrongs that I do? And he said this very, very easily thing that, ah, Abdullah, don't worry about it. Because Allah is merciful. He will forgive you. And I said, okay, he's merciful. He will forgive me. But there was still that, that doubt there on the basis of what? He will forgive me. If he is only forgiving me, then yes, he is merciful. But at the same time, he's not being just. And if he's not being just, then how can, how can the two reconcile? How can he be merciful and just at the same time? And that was, there was tension there. But outwardly, oh, Islam is the best. Oh, Islam is the best. 
That, 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 has, that, that has the absolute, that is the absolute righteous way. That's what I believed. But inwardly, there was this question in my heart. What about my wrongs? What about my wrongs? When I met Nam, my wife, 20 years ago, and she comes from a Christian background, uh, we spoke very openly. We said, no messing around with religions, okay? Because Islam is the best. And you follow yours, I'll follow mine. And in the end, obviously, I had this in my head that by, by getting married to her, she would look at my life, she would look at all the good works that I'm doing, she, could, she would look at the way I'm living, and eventually she would embrace Islam. And by doing that, I would get a, uh, my place in the heaven would be sorted. I am getting one in the kingdom of Islam, Allah, come on, you'll be happy, I'm sure. That's what I believed. And I said, yes, yes, let's take this on. And we got married. So after marriage, we were looking for a church uh, back in India. And we bumped into the uh, regions beyond church uh, in Pune. Anyway, regions beyond, Edward, uh, <laughs> regions beyond is a family of churches where, which we also as well belong to. And it is led by Steve Oliver. <laughs> But, so we went to this church, and uh, funny enough, in a couple of weeks, we ended up into a conference. And I, there was two reasons that I was going into this conference. Number one, I wanted to know if this place is safe enough for my wife to go. And number two, I was like, let's go and have some fun. Let's go and see what these people are like. Let's go, this is a weird bunch anyway. Let's go and see what these people are like. So I went along with this. I'm calling all these names to my own self as well. You know that, <laughs> weird bunch. Um, so we went ahead for the conference. And there was a three-day conference. There were things that, that I attended. There were, there were these talks about God, love your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. And I said, yes, that's a very good moral law to live with. Love your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. That's a beautiful moral law to live with. Love your neighbor as yourself. But as soon as I started hearing these, Jesus being the son of God and he dying on the cross for our sins, I was like, no, 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 wait a minute. This is completely out of my league. This is blasphemy. This is, this is wrong. That's what I was feeling in my heart. And I was like, no, I'm not gonna attend these sessions. But wherever people are talking about these lovey-dovey things, okay, I'm gonna go. <laughs> Um, the third day, the, uh, there was a session on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And the moment I heard the name of the session, I was like, no, 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 no. This is, this is not me. I'm not going to go here. So I went, uh, I, I said, Nam, you go ahead. I'm just going to go and relax. Anyway, after an hour or so, when I came back, I was, uh, I, I just went ahead with my hands in my pocket thinking, what are these guys doing? They were praying for one another. And what are these guys doing? What a weird bunch. And they were praying for one another. They were laying hands on each other and praying for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And there was this lady who came and asked me, did somebody pray for you? I said, no, nobody prayed for me. Is it okay if we pray for you? I was like, yeah, but why would you want to pray for me? Because my name is Abdullah Jamal and I, I'm a Muslim. No, no, we would just pray that God will open your eyes and God will meet with you. I said, it's not me, it's you guys who need the opening of eyes, come on. <laughs> I said, anyway, fine, go ahead, pray. Let's see what happens. And in, in, in a, for a second, I thought, they will pray, nothing will happen. And in that sense, I would have preached Islam to these people. 
So I'm like, okay, fine, go ahead, pray. So I stood there in the center, and there were people all around me, and they were just praying, very simple prayers. God, come and meet with him. God, come and touch him. Tell him who you are, really who you are, the creator of heaven and the earth. And I was standing with my arms wide open, and I was like, okay, fine, go ahead, pray. And you wouldn't believe in the midst of all that praying, what happened was I started, I started sobbing, and then I started crying, and I literally started weeping. And I was asking myself, why are you crying? Why are you weeping? Stop. Why are you creating a scene here? Stop. And the more I stopped myself, the heavily I cried. I was like, well, this doesn't make sense at all. Because for 26 years, I've been living my life as per Islam. I've been, I've been doing my namazes. I've been doing my rosas. I've been giving alms. I've been doing good. So I was going, going to God with all of this list of things that I've been doing. Who are you? Who are you? What is happening to me? And in the midst of that, there was a sort of a presentation screen that, that came in front of me. And in that presentation screen, all the wrongs that I had done in my life started coming up one by one. Imagine that. Thank God my eyes were closed and this presentation screen was just in front of me. And, it, and there, was this, there was this voice, Abdullah, this is the wrong that you have done and I'm going to throw it into trash. Abdullah, this is the wrong that you did, and I'm going to forget it forever. Abdullah, this is the wrong that you've done, and I'm going to separate it from you as far as east is from the west. And I was standing there, and I was thinking, again with my list of things that I've done, and thinking, who are you who's showing me all these things? Because I've never felt anything of this sort before. Who are you who's showing me all these things? And I heard this very clear voice in my heart, not an audible voice, a very clear voice in my heart, in my own language, Urdu, which means I am Jesus. And that was, that was the turning point of my life. So I can tell you this because this is what happened to me. And at that point of time, I would have said, no, nah, nothing happened. At that point of time, I could have said this to others around me, that no, nothing happened. But I couldn't have lied to my own self for the rest of my life because I knew it was the power of God touched me. It was the encounter with God who opened my eyes and said, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. And that was the day when I put my faith in this Savior that Matthew is talking about. He got hold of my life and I put my faith in this promised one. So our God is a God of promises and he keeps his word. He keeps his word. But let's be honest. I mean, sometimes it does feel like, God, you're not coming through. But you're not keeping your promises. But you said this so many years ago, but nothing has come to pass. You're not, you're not keeping your word. And we shake our wrists in the air. And, come on, Lord, do something. I mean, this is not how we planned. This is not how you told me. But probably there are some things that are happening at that point of time. One of the things is probably that we haven't actually waited long enough to see the promises of God to be fulfilled in our lives. If you are anything like me, you can be patient. You can be very impatient. Very impatient. I can be very impatient. I mean, when I look at the story of Abraham, when God spoke to him for the first time, he was 75 years old, the Bible says. I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless you, and you will be a blessing. And, I'm, and throughout, he, God kept speaking to him. He created a, a faith boost mechanism sort of a thing where he's lying down in the night and looking at the star, stars in the skies, and God is saying, 
That will be the number of descendants that you will have. During the night, he, that's how God speaks to him. During the day, God is speaking to him, him, to him through the grains of the sand. That will be the number of descendants that you will have. And at this point of time, he doesn't have any son or, any, or anyone with him. And he's thinking, wait a minute. What is all this happening? What is, God, you are saying, this is what is going to happen. This is how my, the number of my descendants would look like. But I don't have any son. I don't have anyone. And eventually, when he was holding the baby... Isaac, for the first time in his life, he was actually 100 years old, the Bible says. He was 100 years old. And those long 25 years, long 25 years, but God did come through. And the very fact that today we are here sitting in 2018 and talking about Abraham and being counted as one of the heirs of the promise says that God has fulfilled his promise. God has come through. He is a God who comes through. He is a God who promises and keeps his word. I mean, his ways are not our ways. He does, he does things very differently. So when, I, when God saved me, he did something very supernatural in our hearts, in Nam's and my heart, for the church. And from the day I was saved, I was like, there is something else that God wants us to do. But for a couple of years, I, did my, I, I, I was in my secular job. So I was, I was an automotive engineer, and we were testing vehicles on behalf of the government. Very, thank God, very, a beautiful job, and I loved it. But at the same time, my heart was sort of, sort of disconnected from that, and it was somewhere else. It was in the church, and God said, this is where you will be. And every six months or a year or so, I would go to God, literally, and I'm like, come on, Lord. I mean, I've read the New Testament. Now I can go and start working for the church. What do you think? It says, go back. And then another six months or a year or so, I would go back again. I would say, God, now I've read the whole Bible. Come on, now what do you think? Now I can go and start working for the church? And God says, no, no, no. And then I said, okay, fine, let me go some, and do some trainings. Let me do some in-depth discipleship programs and plans and this and that. And I would do that for a year or so, and I would go, okay. Lord, now I'm definitely ready. Come on, now tell me that you want us to go into this church and, and start working for them. I said, no, not yet. And then Shifa, our, our first daughter, was born in 2015. And at that point of time, I held my head and I said, now it's not happening. Now it's probably 10, 15, 20 years or so because I need to work for my daughter. I need to arrange some finances. I need to make, her, make a good career for her and, and all of that, all of those lists again. And I said, God, now it is not happening. Now I, I don't think I'll, it's going to happen now anymore. And God said, now you're ready. <laughs> now you're ready because you are not coming in your own strength now. You're not coming with your own list of things that you can do. My way is not your way, God said. My way is not your way. Sometimes we can incorrectly think that he has promised us something, but actually he hasn't. Now, wait a minute. Before you judge me in your minds, wait a minute. Hold on, listen to me. Sometimes we feel that he has promised us blessings and nothing else. Sometimes he, we, we can feel that he has promised us a comfortable, beautiful life and nothing else. Sometimes we can feel that he has promised us life without struggles and troubles. But God says, but Jesus said, in this life you will have troubles. 
But take heart, I have overcome the world. Take heart, I have overcome the world. There is one thing that he promises. There is one thing that he promises. He, sa he says, there will be storm, storms, but in those storms, I will be with you. In the midst of those storms, I will be your strength. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you. And that's the promise that we hold on to. That's the promise that we hold on to. When we were applying for our visas to come into the UK two and a half years ago for the first time, um, I was filled with faith. I was like, no, no, this is what God is calling us and this is how it's going to be. And our, our e visas would be, in Daddy Pig's language, easy as pie. Uh, if you, if you watch Peppa, I mean, I have two, two children, obviously I watch Peppa. <laughs> it would be very easy. It would be, it would be very easy. We would give our documents, would, our visas would come and say, accepted. But the moment when we received our visa applications back, in, in big capital letters, it was written, rejected. And I shook, I'm like, really? Really, God? But I thought you wanted us to go there. And then God reminded me, I said I would be with you. I said I would be with you. I never said it would be a cakewalk. It would never be a cakewalk. So we can incorrectly think that God has promised us a life of life without struggles and troubles, but that's not the case. But he says, I'm going to be with you forever. I will be your strength in the midst of those troubles. Sometimes we truly don't know Sometimes we truly don't know what he has promised. I mean, in our case, in, in, in Joseph's case, he did not know at that point of time that he is the Savior. And that's why he was, he was going through these, these emotions and feelings of, oh, I might have to divorce her. Or, or maybe he was feeling betrayed that Mary has been indecent and Mary has not been faithful to him. That's why he was thinking he did not know. But it, it only had to take some time and the unfolding of the events that he would see that he is my Savior. He is my Lord and my God and my King. He is. Probably there are things in your life that you, that you feel you've forgotten or, or there are promises or there are no promises. Probably there are things. And maybe, maybe now is the time that you remind, of, maybe remind yourselves. And you don't have to do it yourself. God makes it very clear. You don't have to do it yourself. He sent the Holy Spirit. In, in John 14, verse 26, Jesus says, The Holy Spirit will come and teach you and remind you of everything that I have said to you. We have a reminder to us. We can go back always to prayer and, and the Holy Spirit, come on, please, Lord. Remind me of things that I may be forgetting. Remind me of those words. Remind me of those prophecies. Remind me of those promises that I need to hold on to in these times of storms and troubles and struggles. Remind me of those promises. And he will... And he will, he is a faithful, faithful father. So this is what we, start, we see to start with on a macro level. God keeps his promises. God is a God who is a faithful father and he sent us a savior and he kept his promise. Number two, the nature of our great savior. The nature of our great savior. So Matthew not only tells us about the birth of the savior, he also makes it very clear and he gives us the nature of our Savior. Verse 18 says, Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And also in verse 20, when an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. 
because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And in our times, in this 21st century, if you would, if you would tell this to, to someone who has not put their faith in Jesus yet, the response would somewhat be like this, that, yeah, nice try. Nice try, good story, good story. And if you are here thinking on, the, on similar lines, give me some time. Let me, let me explain to you why an intervention from God was needed, were absolutely necessary for this plan of salvation, for this Jesus, the Messiah, to be born, to come in our midst. Let, give, me, give me some time. Don't, don't leave me as yet. Before we, before we get into that, let me ask, what else if not this? What else if not this? So probably there are two possibilities. If he wouldn't be conceived by the Holy Spirit, what else would happen? Number one, he might either come as a fully grown man from God without any intervention of human parents. And in that sense, if, if that would happen, it would be very difficult for us to relate to him, to his humanity, to understand that he, he was tempted in every way. He understands my temptation. Does he understand my hunger? Because, because was he hungry? And at that point of time, it would be very difficult for us to relate to his humanity. We would see him as fully God, but we would, be, we would struggle a little bit to understand, was he fully human? And the second option is, if he was born by the union of a, of a man and a woman. If he would be born that way, that, would, that is the second possibility. And if that would happen, then it would be very difficult for us to call him God. Because he would be exactly like us. He would be exactly like us. And this theologian, Wayne Grudem, he's very helpful here. He says, God in his perfect wisdom and creative sovereignty ordained a virgin birth to be the avenue through which Christ would enter into this world. And so, you see that through the conceiving of the Holy Spirit, the union of the two, he being fully man, and he being fully God is possible in one person. Are you with me? Yeah? He being fully man and fully God is, is absolutely possible because of the conceiving through the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is fully man and fully God. And both are absolutely crucial and both are absolutely inseparable for this plan of salvation, for our salvation, for us to be saved. And why do we feel that? Why do we feel that? So Jesus is fully man. Let, let's go into that. He had a human body. I mean, he was born as a baby. Of course, he had a human body. The Bible says he, was, he grew weary. He, was, he grew tired. That he actually got hungry. Matthew 4 says he actually got hungry. And he actually got thirsty as well. Remember on the cross, he says, I, he cries, I am thirsty. He actually got thirsty. He was absolutely human. He had a human mind. And the Bible says again in Luke 2 that he grew. He increased in wisdom. That is absolutely human. He had human emotions. He, had, he was troubled in the spirit. He was grieved and sorrowed even to the point of death. He was absolutely fully human. Jesus was fully human. And why this fully human, why Jesus being fully human was important to our plan of salvation? Number one, we already touched. It was, it was for us to be completely connected with him. It was for us to understand that yes, he understands us. When I am hungry, he knows what hungry, being hungry means. Because he was hungry. 
When I am thirsty, he knows what being thirsty means because, I, because he was thirsty. When I've lost someone and I'm grieving, I know that he understands because he lost someone and he was grieving. He was sorrowful. And that's why we can completely relate to him and he can relate to us. <laughs> Hebrew 4 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Yet he did not sin. And the second reason why it was important for him to be completely human is that by doing this, he, was, he is our, our absolute representation in obedience. Only by being human, he can be our substitute. Romans 5 says, There was a man, Adam, and through his disobedience, all men were condemned to sin. But now there is this one, Jesus, through whose obedience, all who put their faith in him are righteous, are counted righteous. And so we have put our faith in him and we are counted righteous because of this fully man, fully God, Savior. He did what we could not do. He lived that sinless life to be a perfect sacrifice right. for us. Amen. So his humanity is absolutely important, but this virgin birth also declares that he was fully God. He was fully God. Now let's see what the Bible says. The Bible says he ex Jesus accepted worship that, that only God can do. So when Thomas went to him and bowed down to him and, and he said, Lord my God, Jesus didn't shoo him away. He said, you, you have seen and you have believed. You are blessed in that because you have seen and you have believed. He didn't rebuke him. He didn't rebuke him. He accepted that worship and only God can accept worship. He had power over sins. He, he had power over, over forgiveness of sins. He said, go, your sins are forgiven. He had power over diseases. He cleansed the lep lepers. He gave sight to the blind. He made the lame walk. He healed people. He had authority over nature. He calmed the storms. And he had authority over death. He raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. He had authority over death. And why is this full, fully God, why is this fully God important for our salvation? Because only an infinite, infinite God, or infinite God, whatever the word is, only an infinite God can take the bear, can bear the, 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 the sins of the world, the sins of all those who have put their faith in him. Only an infinite God can do that. A finite creature like a human being will never be able to bear weight of thousands and multiples and multitudes of sins of the world. Can never do that. Only an infinite God can do that. Only he can take the full penalty of all sins. And because he is fully God, he is our mediator to the Father. So when he says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He is our mediator. Only he can reconcile a sinful man to a holy God. Because he is our mediator. So that's the nature of our Savior. One who is fully God and fully man. And he can reconcile us to the Father. And that's how we are saved. And so we have the promise of our Savior and the nature of our Savior. And thirdly, very lastly, we have is the name of our Savior. The name of our Savior. There are two names mentioned in this passage. The first name is Jesus. 
Jesus. And the Bible says, you shall call him Jesus. Why? Because he would save his people from their sin. The name literally means Yehovah saves. Yahweh saves. God is a God who saves. That's the name of, that's the name of our Lord Jesus. And friends, this is what sets Christianity apart from any and every other religion, any and every other philosophy, and any other form of spirituality. Sets Christianity completely apart because only in Christianity you would, you would hear that there is something that God has done for you. Every other religion would ask you to do things, okay, uh, climb the stairs of this temple with your, through, by your knees, these 700 stairs, and that's how you'll, you'll receive salvation. Go around these, these black stones for 40 days, keep doing that for 40 days, and that's how you will receive salvation. Bow down in front of, in front of me towards the direction of a, at a particular direction for five times a day, and that's how you will receive salvation. Give your money to the poor, and that's how you'll receive salvation. Look inside of you. And that's how you will be saved. But God says, I have done it. You can do nothing to earn your salvation. You can do nothing to earn your salvation because I have done it. Paul says to Ephesians, we have heard this before. As for us, we were dead in our transgressions and sins. We were dead. And as far as I know, I mean, dead body can't do anything. They can't move. I mean, dead body can't move. God put life into this dead body and he said, I'm with you. I'm with you and he saved us. And he saved us. He has fulfilled the promise he made thousands of years ago that a future offspring of a woman would come and shall crush the head of, of this evil one. Shall crush your head. That's what the promise that was made in Genesis 3 verse 15. A future offspring would come and crush your head. And by Jesus being born as a man, in a manger, as a baby, that, that promise is fulfilled in him. That promise is fulfilled in him. Isaiah 53 says, Surely he took up our pain and, our, and bore our suffering. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By fulfilling these words, what God has done is that he sent a savior and, and the savior did exactly what his name meant. He died on the cross for our sins and he saved his people from their sins. That's what, that's what Jesus has done. So friends, as you celebrate Christmas this year, as you watch the nativity play, as you go out for shoppings and, and look at the celebration and the decoration around, as you watch the nativity play, watch it from the eyes of the father. And it is the father who has who laid his son down in the manger. When John says in 3.16 that for God so loved the world that he gave his own one and only son, for he laid down his one and only son so that we who believe in him, whoever believes in him, shall not perish but have eternal life. Beautiful. Have eternal life. The second name that is given to us in the passage is Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. Not prophet with us. Not good teacher with us. Although Jesus was, the Bible says he was the highest of the highest prophets. He was the highest priest. He was the teacher of teachers. But the, but the Bible says his name is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He's not merely to be respected and revered. 
He's to be worshipped. He's to be worshipped. God with us. And this again sets apart Christianity from every other religion. In every other religion you would hear, make your way to God. Do this, do these things and you will make your way to the heaven. Only in Christianity you would say, you would hear that God has made his way to us. He came as a baby in humble situations, humble circumstances. And he said, I'm going to be with you. I know that you have fallen in a pit. Don't worry. Don't, don't try to climb up because you will never get out of that pit on your own. Let me come down. And he came down as a baby. And he came in flesh. And he is the same God whom John, about whom John says, in the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And anything that was made was not made without him. Anything and everything that is made is made for him and through him and by him. He is the same creator of the world who is lying in that manger at that point of time, who is lying there and saying, as, as a helpless baby. But he's the same creator when people coming there and worshipping him, these three wise men, they came and worshipped him. They knew this is our creator. This, he is our savior. And today, these promises have been fulfilled and they've been made known to us by his word. Today, God has called us, come on, I have opened your eyes. You have seen the goodness of Jesus. You have seen the goodness of Jesus. So today, by putting faith in his name and his finished work on the cross, we worship our Savior. We worship our Savior. And by the way, we are saved. We are saved not just for the eternal life, not just for the life which is after this life. We are saved. God, God sets us free for this life as well. He sets us free from every bondage of sin in this life as well. So when we pray that, Lord, Lord, let your kingdom come, we are actually praying that, God, let your kingdom come in my life. Lord, let your kingdom come in my offices. Lord, let your kingdom come in my, in my workplaces. Lord, let your kingdom come in my universities. Lord, let your kingdom come when I'm giving, when I'm giving exams. Let your kingdom come in every situation of this life. Of this life. That's the promise. And God says, I'm going to be with you. I am God, Emmanuel. God with us. He, he will be with us. And how do we respond? How do we respond? We respond exactly the way J Joseph responded. In verse 24, it says, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do. He responded in obedience. He responded in obedience. And we have this opportunity to respond in obedience and worship. So as we come together, as the band comes up, and we, as, we, as we worship God, our Savior, let's, let's respond in worship to this mighty Savior who has saved us from all our iniquities, all our sins, all our transgressions, everything. He has saved us. And if you have not put your faith in Jesus, if you have not believed in Jesus as yet, I hope your journey of exploration is over. <laughs> Come on, let's put our faith in him. He is the answer to all our questions. And we would be privileged. There would be a group of people around here. We would be privileged to, to pray with you.
If there is anything that we can pray for, by coming out, what you, there's nothing um, majorly serious happening over here in the front row or anything of that sort. By stepping out, what you're doing is, Lord, I'm stepping in obedience. I need prayer for this situation in my life. I need your kingdom to come in this part of my life. By coming out, what you're doing is you're, you are God, saying, God, God, I am being obedient. And that's it. That's it. Let's worship.